I want more of everything. <laughs> and it's time for some more tofu. That's right. Right on cue, baby. Ah, uh, yes. And it's been an entire month. Month. Since we've seen the studio and each other <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we've been doing a little traveling. Traveling dingleberries. Seeing a lot of sights, going places. Meeting people. Been very continental. Trying vegan food in various locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've had some, some good locations to try it in. Scott's been across the ocean. Mm-hmm. I've been in the deep south. Mm-hmm. Where they eat all kinds of nasty stuff that you don't even want to know about. And where's Megzin? She's Megan Shackelford's back from India, but not here today. Oh. Stiffed us, stood us up. She's unattainable. She hasn't even called her mother, and she's been back for a week. <laughs> well. Her mother's calling me all the time. Derek, why won't Megan call me? Why won't she call her? I don't know. She's waiting for Mother's Day. She's uh, she's got some kind of Indian yoga flu or something. Well, it's hard to come back from a faraway place. So much time. Yeah. Get reacclimated. We'll let it slide for a week. That's it. That's it, Shackleford. If you're not on the next show, you're done. <laughs> Finished forever. Fini. I don't know. Cut. Cut like a knife. I know a lot of people are very sad. You know, they've been waiting and waiting. All this time we've been telling them, any, any minute now, June. June's coming. She'll be here. Not to mention all the uh, wannabe co-hosts we have lining up. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, taking, we're having auditions. Oh, should we tell people who's going to be on the show so they stay tuned in? Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Annie Fayo. I don't, I'm not sure if that's how you say it. But she's a raw food sensation known around the world for her cookbooks. She's got a new one called Annie's Raw Food Desserts. And before that, she had Annie's Raw Food Kitchen. <laughs> Annie, Annie. I'll just use them interchangeably. Yeah, we'll get corrected on this. Yep, she'll tell us. She has a website, AnnieFeo.com, if you want to check it out in the interim. So today, yeah, we've been gone a while, and we've got some uh, comments from listeners. We even have one voicemail, which is pretty exciting for us. <laughs> <laughs> have we had any voicemails before? We have. Um, we have, but most of them are telling us uh, never to come on the air again. Oh, well. They're from, like, the meat, meat and dairy board and things like that, and sending us death threats you know yeah trent lose is like putting on funny voices and being like i don't like your show ronald mcdonald called us once you remember oh yeah that's right he, i could tell it was him because he kept smacking his lips <laughs> <laughs> and colonel sanders well he's dead so yeah he quit calling us yeah well he i don't know he i don't know what it was but he he had given up cussing as part of his uh you know, conversion to a Christian. But when he would call us, he would he would use the foulest language. He's a Christian. What? Colonel Sanders? Yeah. You should read The Life and Times of Colonel Sanders. Is that really a book? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just know, I know a few things about the colonel. Kentucky bigot. All right, anyway, on June 11th, we got a email from Sean. I really enjoy the show. I w it has edified my veganism. I was wondering how vegans deal with insects. I want to say that I would never hurt a fly, and I do feel a great sadness when they are swatted, smashed, or attacked. However, despite my attempts to empathize for them, I do not want to sleep with them. <laughs> how, do you, how do you sleep with an insect? It seems like it would be, well. You know, the bed bugs. Oh, yeah, the bed bugs. You know, people th get spider bites <laughs> at night, too. Are there vegans that use any form of pest control? Should we view the life of a cockroach equal to that of a fish, a chicken, or a human? Oh, there you go. Here we go. What's your answer, Scotty? What? Oh, well, I mean, hey, uh, do the best you can. <laughs> you know, yeah, try, try not to be malicious about it. Don't go around look seeking out flies and things to kill. And if what you, if, you what if you had a mosquito buzzing around your head all night? What would you do? Um, I would swat it as quickly as I possibly could. Really? Yeah, they carry disease sometimes, you know. So it's a self-preservation? Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, my, uh, my instinct for self-preservation overrides my there compassion are some, for There mosquito. are some Buddhists who can just meditate and 
let the let the bugs suck their blood and ticks crawl in their armpits and things and they just sit there well that's important to their practice and i (laughs) i commend them (laughs) keep it up guys um but yeah i'd say you know do the best you can uh but you know yeah i mean the truth is there's there's lots of uh, insects that get killed just by all kinds of activities that vegans and non-vegans take part in such as uh driving um which is not to say that driving is a good thing to do well, a lot of things get killed, driving. including, you know, tens of thousands of people in this country alone are killed in accidents driving yeah, well, every year. And then we can talk about um, agriculture and the, the uh, you know, harvesting of our crops and things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of bugs get killed, even if you are eating organically. Not to mention rabbits and rodents. Rabbits and rodents. Who probably in <clears throat> some measure wouldn't otherwise be there. Except for their yeah, you know it's that that is a good argument for um, local small agriculture. I'm sure a lot less animals get killed when it's uh, you know it's just a CSA in somebody's town growing enough food to support about hundred people. Yeah, well, you know, there's an amazing thing that you. I mean, our current system is certainly set up so that you know not your average person can't be um, a farmer three days a week and a banker the other four days of the week. But uh, it certainly seems to me that if you were to distribute it all much more broadly and provide for much many more smaller farms, it would be much more sustainable in the long run. Okay. Just my two cents. And that's not to say that we support local animal agriculture because that's slavery and we don't support it. <clears throat> At least speaking for myself. Yes, well, there you go. Uh, June 13th. Hi there, Derek. I am Matt. I wanted to say that I am a vegan and have been for 14 months. The reason I have been able to do this successfully is because of Vegan Radio Podcast. <clears throat> Thanks for making your voice and thoughts heard. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, we got one. One person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and in fact, right now, if he wasn't listening to Vegan Radio, he'd be munching on a lamb chop. No. No? And here's, here's a really nice one from uh, Frederick. I've been meaning to write to thank you for being a large influence in my becoming vegan. But as a 50-something suburban husband and father of three typically overscheduled kids, I hadn't the chance. This June makes about a year and a half since I stopped eating and wearing animals, and I couldn't have done it without my virtual vegan pals on several podcasts I rely on to keep me sane. I say several podcasts, but yours was the first. I have to admit it was a roundabout route. It all started innocently enough when, as a fan of the Mountain Goats, I did a search online for John Danielle and came across your podcast. Intrigued, I became a regular listener but didn't actually attempt veganism until January 2008 when I was dragged against my will (laughs) into a post-holiday weight loss contest at the printing plant I work at. Um, I know it's regressive and heteronormative of me, but I have a visceral reaction against manly men talking about their weight. (laughs) That's an awesome sentence. Yeah, Uh, well, you should see my belly. I don't know. (laughs) It's really, I can't seem to reduce it no matter what I do. Um, My strategy was, rather than doing some unhealthy boomerang diet, to get immersive in the podcast and literature of veganism to sustain me through the four months of the contest. I won the contest by dropping from 212 to 163. And I want a few bucks in the process. Nice. All right. The biggest loser. Um, I'd now consider that irrelevant because of that damned immersive strategy. <laughs> With your guidance, <laughs> I read Howard Lyman's books. I read Slaughterhouse by Gail Eisnitz. I read The China Study. I watched Earthlings, and it was all over. It helps me that I feel better than I have in decades and have cholesterol and iron levels that make the ladies at the local blood bank <laughs> gasp in admir- admiration. <laughs> Not to mention your pulsing brain I do. I like giving. I like going <laughs> to give blood because it's always yeah. My blood pressure is so low, and I always have iron. Mm-hmm. I pass the iron test. They you put have they iron. they, they prick good. they prick your finger and uh, put a little drop of blood in this solution, and if it sinks or something, I guess it means you have enough iron. Wow. Um, in the year and a half since then, I've had to deal with the usual vegan trials. People really do say, "How do you get your protein?" Of course, that's they do. <laughs> It's crazy how many people say that. Yeah. And Be polite s- when you answer. And some I've brought on myself, like raising a son who loves grilled cheeseburgers, as much as I used to, and once a meat is murder, tasty murder t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny. Uh, Stop. I'm just, Stop. I'm just, I to <laughs> turn off your microphone. <laughs> I know enough about parenting to know that coercion doesn't work, so it's family, real politic for now. My oldest daughter, however, is vegetarian now, and I think 
I'll turn her vegan eventually. That's right. Just lock her in a room Your with nothing but broccoli. With vegan athletes and cookbook authors have been inspiring. So have the adventures of the vegan bus. Also, as someone who is proud that his ancestors had to hightail it out of Germany in the 1800s because of their free thought and anarchist views, it's nice to see a healthy dose of those attitudes in the vegan community. Remember, 50-something is young enough to have been in the dead, into the dead Kennedys. That's right. And uh, I sincerely want to express my gratitude to you and your compadres. It's a good thing you're doing. Hey, wow. There's some positive reinforcement for us. Yeah, I feel all warm and fuzzy. No, we still got one more to go. <laughs> <laughs> well. So uh, should we address anything he said? I, I think um, my oldest daughter is vegetarian now. I think he'll turn her vegetarian eventually. The The way to, to quote, turn people vegetarian is to set a great example, especially like a daughter, you know, somebody who's looking up to you, hopefully anyway. If you're a happy, happy, honest, fun-loving vegan <laughs> dad. Yeah. Well, I'm always excited to hear from people who are in their, you know, late 40s, 50s, turning to veganism. Uh, it's a great lifestyle choice. And certainly uh, you do start thinking about things like your heart, <laughs> yeah. which you don't know, normally kind of like through your youth consider a big problem until, you know, your friend at the age of 32 his heart explodes or something. But yeah, uh, well, when I first joined the Rochester Vegetarian Society, when I first went vegan, um, you know, there was a lot of older people in it and a lot of them had come through for health reasons because of, uh, you know, either they had a health crisis of some sort or else they were just thinking about their health more. And uh, that that is the way I think a lot of older people come, you know, a lot of younger people come because they can, you know, identify with the animals and get it from a different type of culture, mm-hmm. cultural experience. But yeah, and as we've heard, uh, it seems like... Young uh, people don't worry, worry about their health as much. Something like one in 200... Uh, is, according to surveys, are uh, vegetarian. Says. So there you go. Uh, it's definitely a growing trend, and I think that uh, I think with the the greater political involvement of younger people, uh, it's certainly it's and you know things like the FAO report and knowing you know what's causing these crises is our uh, our binging lifestyles that uh, you know I think conscience is waking up all over. Okay, so we have one more, and this is uh, from. Sean in, India, in Indianapolis, who left us a voicemail. Hi, my name's Sean. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, right smack dab in the middle of the Corn Belt farm areas. I just wanted to let you know that I've uh, gone vegan, and I just would like to give you guys credit for being a huge, huge help in my, beginning my journey. I've listened to all your podcasts, and it's just really reinforced my choice from just trying to change my diet to a more healthy diet to, you know, just open my eyes to just the atrocities of, you know, farming that, what you know, what happens to the animals. And I just instantly, it took like one day to change my mind to just go completely vegan. Um, all right. I just wanted to thank you guys and let you know you are really reaching people out here. Uh, Every day. All right. All right. I like that every day part at the end. It sounded like like we paid somebody to say that. (laughs) You're reaching people every day. Every day in every way. Thank you, Sean. We're making the world better and better. Indianapolis, you know, we're reaching people. It's hard to reach people there, I imagine. There's, you know, it's not as many, not a high as of a concentration of vegans in places like that. Yeah. And uh, it's an interesting thing, you know, how how people discover us, you know, uh, either through Darnielle. Once again, John Darnielle <laughs> what, was there brings one? us another conversion. Uh, who, was the, who was the other one? I don't know. Haven't there been dozens? Oh, probably. Every time we talk well, to people, every, like, that Darnielle. That, everyone that writes us, you know, there's a few others. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and it's just uh, and with the, all this good stuff. I guess now with uh, books like Skinny Bitch out there, you know, people are catching on well, all they, over. They got Skinny Bastard out now. Oh, that's right, too. <laughs> Hot off the presses. We might have to get Rory back on the show. Yeah, I got to read that one. <laughs> I hope I hope she doesn't have come up with a book that has a name we can't say on the radio. I know, really. Skinny son of a bitch. Okay, well, we're gonna have to take a little musical break here. I think this is Vegan Radio. You can hear any of our podcasts at veganradio.com. dot com, and uh, this is okay. Amanda Rogers. I'm awake.
The lights are pale blue in the morning. It comes without warning. I'm awake. I'm awake. Then it's warm and yellow. It's noon or maybe three. I greet the day slowly, and the day agrees with me. So come in, come in for the evening. I'll fix a pot of tea. So come in, come in, take a seat right next to me. And then the moon is out with the stars about. We're laughing on the ground. You'll kiss me for my rounds. I'm awake. 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 I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. Kenny Peel, are you there? Hello, I can't hear you very well, though. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm shocked. I told you. Oh. oh. Well, <laughs> we'll, it's a little muffled. We will it's, speak it's loudly muffled. and slowly. Don't okay. speak too loudly. Okay. I'll, I'll just speak normally loudly. <laughs> uh, so. so well, what do you call a, a raw food book? If it's, a, if it's a recipe book, do you call it a cookbook or? Uncookbook. Uncooked. That? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. And your new one is called Desserts. So you got... Yeah, it's Annie's Raw Food Dessert. And what kind of, uh, what kind of desserts does a raw foodist eat? Oh, my goodness. We eat all kinds of desserts. But I'm just using fruits, nuts, and seeds to make all different kinds of desserts, from ice creams to icebox cakes, the cheesecakes, the cobblers, and pies, and cupcakes, and um, yeah, ice cream sundaes, chocolate, chocolate-covered strawberries, and frozen bananas, and all that great stuff, but it's all made, like I said, using fruits, nuts, and seeds, so there's no, there's no wheat, there's no gluten, there's no sugar, there's no butter, eggs, flour, none of that stuff, so it's all literally made from superfoods, so fruits, Nuts and seeds are all superfoods because they're packed with antioxidants and they combat free radical damage and they provide, you know, vitamins and minerals and nutrients to keep our bodies healthy and strong and to help us um, stay looking really great as well. Yeah, that's what I rely on. Lots of vegan desserts to look as hot as I do. <laughs> I don't think you're, you're not <laughs> yeah, eating I all raw ones. Desserts. Oh, well, I really ought to be. Uh, so what are some of the ingredients that you use uh, that work really well? She just for... said fruits, nuts, and seeds. No, I want to know specifics. I want to hear some of like, you know, I want to hear about like the low, the, the royal avocado, you know. What's one of your The favorite? amazing yeah. mango. I just got done making. I'm actually on set right now shooting. Um, I just shot four satellite TV shows. And one of the recipes I made was a raspberry ganache fudge cake. And so the cake is literally made of walnuts. So rather than using a, a wheat flour, I'm using a powdered, I'm taking walnuts and processing them into a powder, and I'm using that as a flour. So walnuts are so high in um, omega-3s, and they're really good for us, and they're good for our brains, great for our heart. They have a really good fat and, and um, all those other great things for us. And then I'm processing that, and because it's dry, I also add um, chocolate the raw chocolate powder, which I call cacao. And because it's raw and hasn't been heated, the antioxidant properties haven't been damaged, so they're naturally at a high level. Unlike um, cooked chocolate, all the chocolate that's on the market is actually cooked, which means that the antioxidant levels are just a fraction of when it's raw. And then also um, it's been dutched, so it's been cut with an alkaline chemical to make it go further. But I'm actually using raw whole chocolate powder, and then I'm binding together that dry flour with a sticky date. So I'm taking medjool dates and I'm putting them in the food processor. And medjool dates are a whole fruit. And so it has potassium and iron and all these wonderful vitamins. But it's quite sticky. And so the stickiness binds together the flour of the, and the chocolate powder and the flour of the walnuts. And you make a cake. And it's very much the texture of a flourless chocolate cake. It's really delicious. And then you shape that however you want. I shape two round, you know, sort of grandma-style double-decker cake cakes. And then I made a frosting by placing dates with cacao powder again into the food processor with avocado. And so avocado, Ooh. when you whip that up, it has 
fat that is so healthy for us, and it's so great. Like, you know, we use it on our skin and in masks, and it works really great in our hair, but it becomes a very light, rich, um, fluffy texture. And so it's, the frosting is made of avocado, and it tastes like you bought it ready-made at the grocery store in a plastic tub. It's so good. And so then you frost the cake, and then you, you put raspberries all over the top of it, and that's the raspberry ganache. So unlike traditional ganache, which is made of cream and butter and sugar and eggs, mine is literally made out of all superfoods. It's chocolate, walnuts, dates, and avocado and raspberry. Wow, it sounds very rich. Yeah, I see yeah. a picture Good. of it here on your Kendrick website. Have a piece with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Two. Uh, I'll send it. I'll send it through the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I see it. It's on your website, um, right next to some little what look like chocolate candies. Yes, chocolate candy. So the way I make the chocolate candy again now is that um, I think before like a year ago maybe. Cacao butter wasn't readily available. And if you look at any chocolate bar out there, one of the ingredients is cacao butter. So that is what is left over. It's the fat that has no caffeine once they extract the chocolate powder away from the, the butter. Mm. So that's how they separate, separate it into those two. So they pick the nibs off the tree. The cacao nibs are the fruit of the cacao tree. And then they put it into the powder and into the butter. And so what I'm doing is I'm melting the butter, and then I mix in the powder. And rather than using sugar, which is in all chocolate bars most of the, most of the time, I'm actually sweetening with mesquite powder, which is a legume that comes off of the mesquite tree in the southwest region here. And then, um, and then also I'm using maca, which is uh, it's a supplement that helps rebuild this, our adrenal glands so we can handle more stress. Before we get sick, so it's actually a supplement. You can find it in the supplement section of a health food store. Yeah, I had so some maca this morning. My chocolate, so it's all superfood chocolate and really healthy and packed full of antioxidants. Do you ever? And call actually, them? both of those recipes, um, I actually um, am just sort of just starting to test out some kits. So I wanted to be able to help people. Some of those ingredients aren't that easy to find yet, and hmm. they're quite expensive, and you have to buy everything by the pound. So I started um, developing these ready mixes, just like Aunt Jemima ready mix and Duncan Hines ready mix. <laughs> there wasn't anything that was healthy. And so I've, I started with the chocolate raspberry ganache fudge cake and also the chocolate candies where, you know, you can order online. You can get info from my website and, um, and you just get a bag and everything's pre-measured and you just mix them together and then you have, you can just make your dessert. That sounds like a cool idea. I've thought I've thought about that like um just for having meals or something where you could go to the go to the store and get the ingredients you know fresh fresh vegetables and seeds and things and then have a meal you know that you could make easily without having extra onions and things that would get thrown away or <laughs> whatever people exactly. do. Exactly, that's a great idea, right? So you could take your favorite meal with you camp or hiking, or on the road. Yeah, how great would that be? And then you can use your own fresh vegetables and, and spices and things. Absolutely, that's a great idea. You should come out with a line. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. We need more of that kind of stuff in the vegan world, and we need stuff that's healthy, healthier things as well. I'm looking at your website, and I see you also have a book on design. Are you a graphic designer or something like that? Um, I used through uh, Web 1.0, which was like the 90s, uh, I was an interaction designer, an experience designer. So what that means is um, it's sort of a lot of psychology, really understanding who the end user is going to be and developing systems that work within their workflow and that's their language that makes sense to them type of thing. So it's interaction design. That's what Scott's into. Visual design, design. <laughs> so it incorporates that as well. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I, I do that sort of thing for a living in Web 2.0 world now. Okay, cool. So it's, yeah, mo it's much more fun now. Back in part of uh, Web 2.0, I took a break from technology maybe for like four or five years, and like maybe 99, and then just recently I started getting back into it. But it's so exciting now with all the online community stuff and like Facebook and YouTube and all these things that I wished we had back then. Oh, yeah, nice. you couldn't exactly awesome. do video and things, so... 
Yay, and it's definitely helping to get out, uh, you know, like things like your book and the, your promotions and things and the things that we do. Uh, without the web, it would really be, I don't know how we'd even even do it at this point. <laughs> yeah, we'd just be a local radio show that no one else, else in the world ever heard. Yep, we'd have to send out cassette tapes. <laughs> how do we, we function before? It's just crazy to think, right, before the internet, how we got things done. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy talk, Annie. What are yeah. you talking about? No. There was no before. <laughs> none, I know. We're I archiving it all right now. Else. <laughs> we're, we're evolving. Oh, something. Into, into cyborgs. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're having a Terminator uh, marathon this week just so we can uh, well, get into the mood. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. It's not vegan, not vegan. I want to watch all of them before I go see the current one. And, uh, same with Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. I want to watch all the Harry Potters and then go see the new one. Yeah. It's not out yet, though. Well, in Terminator 3, uh, the Terminator is a vegetarian, so it actually works out really, really? well. Really? Um, well, it's hard to say. He doesn't actually eat. Aren't machines <laughs> vegetarians already? <laughs> they, they're breatharians, my friend. <laughs> they, they process oxygen. I just want to kill you. I don't want to eat you. <laughs> Casualty zero. <laughs> Hasta la vista. Okay. Well, we're getting a little off track. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so I, I haven't actually seen your new dessert book, but I'm a fan of your um, raw... Raw Food Kitchen book, uh, which I assume is your first. And um, I just want to ask a question because a, a lot of people comment about it. You have a lot of pictures of yourself in there and probably maybe more pictures of yourself than the food. <laughs> um, is, there, is that a marketing decision? or? I think it probably was a marketing decision. I just handed in all the photos and, yeah. um, you know, and then they used them all. <laughs> they used a lot of them. Yeah. So um, I didn't really expect that there was going to be so many photos of me throughout the whole thing, you know. But um, it's so funny. They even used, like, the same photo. You know, usually, like, when you take one photo in a location, you just use one photo. You know what I mean? Like, they, they even used, like, the same photo, like, multiple photos from the same location and stuff. Yeah, yeah. like a little but picture of you. And the... because we're really trying to, um, <laughs> we're truly trying to explain to you that, the way we choose to eat has a very big impact on the planet, number one. And with raw foods, it's very much a lifestyle. And so um, what I was trying to actually convey by having photos of me was just sort of photos of me in my life, you know, to show more lifestyle. Um, because, like, one of the first things I noticed when I went raw vegan was that um, all the garbage in my kitchen disappeared. Yeah. If you actually look in your garbage can in the kitchen, most of that garbage is packaged packaging. And so by being a raw fooder, it means really, you know, shopping locally, seasonally. A lot of that is going to the farmer's market, buying in bulk. A lot of the nuts and seeds are bought in bulk. So there really isn't a lot of packaging. You know, you're reusing your containers. You know, if you go and buy bulk agave or whatever, you're taking a glass jar and reusing it and refilling it and buying things in bulk. So it's really reducing a lot of our resources. And so um, I think part, partly the goal was to really sort of convey this lifestyle of um, eating this way and how it really permeates into other aspects of one's life, you know. Um, yeah, but I didn't really expect that so many actual photos <laughs> of myself. <laughs> well, that's all right. But the goal was to convey the lifestyle. Well, you're, you're very um, aesthetically pleasing and... Uh... One of our other favorite cookbook authors, Sarah Kramer, does does well. She takes uh, takes the pictures of herself dressed up in crazy costumes and things, and holding up the food. All her kitschiness. Yeah, yeah, she's hilarious. So, um, oh, and and also with the the stuff you were saying about the kitchen, it's also a lot easier to clean the dishes when you're preparing raw food. I think uh, it's not cooked Absolutely. on I mean, grease. And, I think probably vegan as well, but. When yeah, vegan's raw, easier. And... It's not being caked on and cooked on and burnt on and crusted on. So that part goes away, but we still use a dehydrator. But, you know, with a dehydrator, it's just simulating sun drying, and so it pulls the moisture out and dries things. But um, so all you have to do is submerge that stuff in water, and it rehydrates it, and it just comes off really easily. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing that's hard to clean is some of the juicers are a little hard to take apart, but... Oh yeah, well you've got. Or the, sometimes it's hard to get that last little bit out of your blender, you know. Get that corkscrew juicer. 
That, that thing's oh, crazy. The, blender, the way that you clean a blender, you fill it with water. You fill the bottom part, maybe like a quarter of it with water, and then you put it onto the blender stand and you turn it on. Oh, now there's a tip. <laughs> yeah, so there, there you go. That's the trick for that. I, I always soak <laughs> it in water, but I, I never thought of doing that. Yeah, I always blend up a sponge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you just put a little toothbrush in there and turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? Oh. <laughs> so, uh, so you have some other things going on. I see you do videos on the internet, and uh, have you have you been on any um, TV shows or things? Any what things? TV shows or other other ways of promoting raw food veganism? Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess my biggest TV show thing maybe was uh, Bizarre Foods on the Travel Channel. So Bizarre Foods is Travel Channel's flagship show. It's on like all the time. And my episode repeats all the time, but he came to L.A. and did an L.A. episode. And it was really wonderful because he included vegan raw, nothing else on that show ever vegan, let alone raw. Wow. And so um, I was, he called me the goddess of raw food. And so he comes over to my house, and I make him sun burgers and lasagna and chocolate shake and, um, like, three different desserts, and we just feasted on the on the deck overlooking the Hollywood Hills. So that was really wonderful. And, and actually today I'm actually on set shooting four episodes for satellite television for um, Supreme Master TV. Oh, Supreme Master. We saw her at the uh, Veggie, well, not her, but the the group at the Veggie Pride Parade. Yeah, they're just wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're shooting that today. And, um, yeah, I'm always um, working, and I just shot, uh, I've just been on book tour for, like, the last month, so wherever I go and speak, I try and get a camera to just record, just so I could put information up on YouTube. And so some of those things are still being edited, but they will go up live from several of my events that I had of, of me and stuff. So um, if you just check my website, I'll post from there and then also to go up on YouTube. But the best place to look for my videos are actually on um, on my website because not all of them, I don't have rights to all of them. Like I did a, I did several for Veg News Magazine's new website when it launched. I did like a chocolate, I did a ch- like a chutney and a wild rice recipe. And so those things, um, they live on the, they live on the um, Veg News site. And so it, you went to my YouTube, you wouldn't find them unless you search for by my name. Then you would. And then also, um, the kickoff to my book tour for Annie's Raw Food Desserts was at Google, and it was just so awesome because you walk into Google and they have, you know, they don't allow any plastic water bottles, so they don't have any plastic. They have like all their recycling and all that stuff set up. They made my dessert for. Um, they made that chocolate raspberry ganache cake for everyone, and then they netcast all their campuses together. And so that video just went live like a couple of days ago. So you can find that from my website as well. So that's, again, something that wouldn't be on my YouTube page, but um, I linked to it from my, from my website, AnniePio.com. So that's like an hour-long talk. That was pretty fun. Um, yeah. Wow. So uh, is Google like, is they, are they kind of behind that progressive, uh, you know, like movement towards conservation? And, and is this why they promoted you for that? They're awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're... Their garage was tiny. There was more bikes, like so many bicycles in their garage. And they even have bicycles so they can ride around to the different offices that are not on the campus or whatever. They can ride around. And, um, and they really encourage, like, you know, green recycling, reusing, all that kind of stuff, eco. They, have, they actually, this is what was so cool. You guys would appreciate this. But they, their menu, most of their menu is vegan, okay? And so all the stuff is assumed to be vegan. And if there's dairy, they put an icon next to it of a milk carton to denote <laughs> that it has dairy. And if it has meat, then they put another icon to denote that it has meat. But otherwise, if there's no icon, it's vegan. Wow. So usually it's the other way around. Yeah, it's that's like really unique. That everything has meat, everything has dairy, and if it's vegan, then it's called out as vegan. This was the other way around, where everything was vegan, and if you were looking for something with dairy, you had to look for the little dairy symbol or if you wanted something with meat, you had to look for something with the meat symbol. <laughs> yeah, I want to work awesome. at Google now. That's I know. awesome, right? And then the host was even telling me that they get complaints because some people complain that there's not enough meat dishes offered on the menu, <laughs> you know, because most of it is vegan. And it's all organic and local and sustainable and all that great stuff. They're yeah. on it. They're awesome. No ostrich burgers at Google. No, 
That's I okay. don't think so. At least not the day I was there. <laughs> oh well. So how did you come to be a, a? How'd you get into the raw food thing? Were you vegan already, or was was that your? Did yeah, you... I was vegan already, and um, well, actually, I was raised on a lot of raw food because my father was a raw fooder, and then oh. also being Korean of Korean descent, my mom and dad met here, but you know they're from Korea. And to be honest, like in Korean food, most of the food is vegan. You know, it's like they don't really use eggs so much. They don't really eat that much meat. It's like if you go to a Korean restaurant um, or if you go to Korea, most of the, you know, you get a, a bowl of rice and that's in the middle of the table or in, in front of you. And then there's all these little dishes of food, little plates of all these marinated vegetables. They're all vegetables. The whole table will be filled with vegetables. And then maybe one of those little dishes may have squids or <laughs> fish or meat. It's only one of like twenty or thirty. Is that called? Is that what kimchi is, or is no? Isn't kimchi? Kimchi. Kimchi is like a relish, I think. Oh Oh, yeah, kimchi is like a super. It's it's not even just vegan. It's or actually sometimes they put fish in it. Oh, to be careful of where how they're making it. But my kimchi is always vegan, and kimchi is wonderful because it has probiotics. So it helps build healthy intestinal flora and helps strengthening your digestive system, and it helps to detoxify, pulls out, you know, heavy metals, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's part of the whole pickling, you know, the kefir, kombucha, that whole thing. It's all fermentation. So kimchi is a fermented food. Yeah, and I understand uh, that uh, in general, in that area of the world, there's a lot of lactose intolerance anyway, so it's not like they're making a lot of cheese. There's not a lot of cheese dishes and things. Lactose intolerance. Oh, no, there is none. There is none. No, our cheese in Korea is soy. Uh-huh. Our cheese is tofu, and our milk is soy milk, right? So we don't have dairy. There is no dairy in Korea. It's not part of the culture. There is none. I think um, in recent years, you know, um, last time I went was like maybe three years ago, they have like, you know, French bakeries now. Oh, man. They have like bread and cake. And they probably use egg and sugar. But traditionally, you know, we don't even have flour. Traditionally in our culture, flour is, is rice flour. It's not wheat gluten. It's not like wheat gluten, wheat flour. It's rice flour. We got to get rid of those French. Traditionally, we don't have that. (laughs) Get the French out of Korea. Really? (laughs) Next thing you know, next they'll be feeding you foie gras any any day now. I know. Um, (laughs) So, do you make a lot of things? Anything that's uh, sort of influenced culturally by your upbringing, or is it mostly now with the kind of raw foods that that people are making? uh, Are you more inventive? Well, I'm actually, I've been working on my next book, which will be out in the spring, and it's, at, it's due at the end of the summer. So I just have like two or three more months on it. But my next book is an all-fully-encompassing raw food book, and um, it's going to have over 200 recipes, and a lot of the recipes are Asian-influenced. Because over the years, so many people have been emailing me and requesting Asian recipes, and there really is nobody, there's no one in my community that's doing Asian-inspired raw food recipes. And a lot of so easy to convert that stuff because a lot of the Korean food is pretty much raw, you know, so they, they have like, you know, vegetables that are sort of marinated that are tossed in like a rice or a kelp noodle. Well, kelp noodles are raw. So as long as you don't heat them up, they're already raw. And then marinated vegetables, you know, you just do it raw by using a raw soy sauce instead of a cooked soy sauce. And it's pretty much the same thing, you know, <laughs> so, nice. so um, a lot of the recipes, probably more than half are going to be Asian inspired. And I'm going to have a recipe, um, a chapter on dehydration, a chapter on pickling vegetables, a chapter on culturing, like yogurts and making kombucha and coconut kefir and coconut cheese and all that kind of stuff. Because I I feel like it's actually really important to include probiotics into our diet to balance balance out and help our digestion. That's why um, kombucha has gotten so popular in in the past several years. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of emphasis for people on, you know, really starting to think about their digestive systems more in that way. Uh, so I yeah. think that's going to just keep on growing. Yeah, definitely. So when did you <clears throat> when did you decide to become raw from just being a vegan? Um, I guess I guess it was during Web 1.0. It was like in the middle <laughs> of the 90s. Um, I was living in San Francisco and I met some friends for dinner at a raw restaurant there. 
And I, the food was so different than what I've ever experienced before. And, you know, my family, my parents were from what I call the raw 1.0, which was like Anne Wigmore, you know, eat it because it's good for you, not for the flavor, not for the taste. And suddenly in the mid-90s at this restaurant, I was introduced to raw 2.0, which was like gourmet raw food. <laughs> raw food is delicious and it's beautiful and you're eating it because it tastes good. And, oh, my gosh, it happens to be good for me too? Wow, what a bonus. And so um, that's when I discovered it, and then it was so intriguing to me because when I would eat it, I a lot of energy, mental clarity. I'd be able to focus and be hyper-productive and get a lot of work done. And, you know, during the whole dot-com 1.0, it was when um, it was very exciting. I was in the Bay Area in San Francisco. I was literally working at one point two full-time jobs. I was consulting on, like, two or three side projects, and I was teaching at university maybe once, one or two nights a week plus leading workshops on the weekend. And so I learned that um, when I would include more raw food into my diet, I could sleep less. Sometimes I would not sleep one night a week to be able to fit everything in. I didn't have (laughs) to sleep as much, and um, I just had boundless energy, and I would never get sick. And so that's when I really started, like, learning more about it, figuring out how to make it for myself. And then I'd start sharing it with everyone around me, and everyone else, as they tasted my food, were blown away. And then, you know, they'd go through the same experience and they'd want to learn more about it and then I'd start making food for them and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's sort of, I think, when that happened was during the Web 1.0, like mid-90s. Wow. What a time to discover it. That's, that's real, that seems relatively early to me. I, I, I thought yeah. it was something so new. You're ahead of the curve. But this well, was... Pro- uh, probably, it was probably in California before we heard about it. Oh, yes. Well, there you go. That's another country. <laughs> yeah, every, I think that, at least for raw foods, it's really big in California for sure. Yeah, um, it seems to be yeah, more popular in warmer climates. Cool people here that are like, you know, in their maybe 60s that have been raw for many, many decades. That's pretty cool. So, but my dad, I mean, I grew up in the Catskill Mountains, and um, my dad had a nutritionist who put him on raw food, and that's how we got into the raw food. But that was from New York back then. That was like the mid to late 60s. Wow. So do, do the older people, you know, that have been raw foodists for... Decades? Do they seem younger than they, their uh, actual age, or do you notice? Gosh, they have the stamina and fitness levels. That they're just amazing. Like they're really um, active, and um, I think like looking younger, unfortunately, is sort of also an equation of our genetics. I think right. the people who are Asian or of African descent, I think um, we have our skin. I think hides age a little bit better. So my mom is like over 70, and she looks like she's like 45. Uh. And it's because she's Asian. <laughs> In addition to taking really good care of herself, I think that being Asian helps for sure. So all us white people are out of luck here. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> We're still young at heart. like having energy, you know, being active and having a lot of energy and feeling really great and not getting sick. I think those are better measures maybe. Yeah, well, obviously. Yeah. Um, Spending a little less time questing across Western Europe is a good idea too. <laughs> that'll that'll take a lot out of say you. Say what? What? <laughs> uh, so uh, now, how much time do you end up spending doing raw food? I think a lot of people have the sense that it takes a lot more time and effort, and uh, a lot more hassle to be a raw foodist. But do you find that that's the case? Absolutely not. <laughs> and so I actually think it's easier to eat raw than, than if I had to cook something and eat it cooked. And um, that is actually why I started writing my book. So with each subsequent book, my recipes get even simpler and faster and easier with even less and less ingredients. So um, you haven't seen the desserts book yet, but a lot of those they have like literally three or four um, ingredients in the recipe, literally. So like that chocolate that beautiful rich chocolate cake that I was describing to you, it's literally like walnuts, chocolate, avocado, dates, and raspberries. Five ingredients to make a cake and frosting, you know? Wow. So um, I, I found over the years that actually the less ingredients we use, the more each flavor really shines through. And, um, and then also for myself, I'm on the road a lot. I travel a lot. I'm really busy. I'm building another business as well. And I personally don't have as much time as I used to spend in the kitchen. And I love being in the kitchen more than anything, but I just don't have time. 
so I find that I have to make my food really fast, you know, blend it, process it, it's done, make a wrap, whatever, have a salad, have a smoothie, and it's done. Otherwise, I don't even have time to make food for myself. So it has to be really fast and easy, and that's why my recipes and my recipe books um, are all, all in and, and developed for people who with busy lives, you know. So when I first started doing the gourmet raw, it would take me like four or five days to prepare extravagant meals. <laughs> um, and now I've really paired it back. It takes me about two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> two minutes Come to on. do an extravagant meal. Really? Fast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I'll have two. That's all that extra energy you have. <laughs> you can do every do everything twice yeah, you have as more fast. Energy if you spend less less of it making food. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've heard it here now. If you go raw, you'll have increased stamina. You'll be able to leap tall buildings. <laughs> you won't have to sleep anymore. You'll become a millionaire. No, I recommend not sleeping, though. I did that for several years, and it did take a toll. I mean, you still have to take care of yourself. I wasn't taking very good care of myself. I was like, oh, I feel great. I don't feel tired. I think I don't need to sleep, and I wasn't sleeping, but I actually think that I would probably look a lot younger had I slept more back then. <laughs> That's right, and if you hadn't <laughs> smoked those cigars. Take good care of ourselves. <laughs> right on. Well, it's, it's good you have the Asian advantage, at least, to... Because if, if Scott if Scott and I did that, we'd we'd look like Rumpelstiltskin by now. Oh, I don't know. I think I'd I'd look at least as young as Owen. Oh, well, actually, Scott doesn't sleep. I your typical Botox. <laughs> um, no, well, I, I don't sleep. That's true, and it's taking its, it's toll. Because he's a cyborg. <laughs> but there is this thing about like, you know, our our beauty uh, being reflected by our level of health. You know, so like the healthier our insides are because we're eating really healthy and taking care of ourselves and the healthier our insides are, it means that it's going to reflect on the outside through how great our skin looks, our complexion, our radiance, our clear skin, our strong hair, nails, because our skin is our largest organ. So it's sort of like a reflection of the health on the inside of our bodies, mm. right? Definitely also cutting out animal products. Animal products have been proven numerous times accelerate aging. And oh. animal products are actually allergens to our system because it's sort of a foreign substance, so it causes inflammation. So a lot of times when I'm working with people that want to lose weight, I, call, I cut all the inflammatories out. And actually what happens is that they're not puffed up and inflamed because they're not having allergic reaction. So they shrink. Yeah. It looks like they lost weight. Yeah. And then uh, so, yeah, their systems start working better. Baby cows. So we're not supposed to be drinking milk. That's for the baby cows. And so, you know, most people are allergic to dairy products, animal products, and once we cut those out without even having to do anything, we lose weight <laughs> because the inflammation goes down, the allergic reaction goes away. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. People won't will go years without knowing, oh, what, why am I suffering? And they'll never think to change, just change a few things. Get yeah. it, give up the dairy. <laughs> it's unnecessary. Yeah. It's one of the craziest things we do and never think about. Well, that's right. Like a lot of times, we don't actually realize that we don't feel good until we feel good and become healthy. And then we realize, wow, I didn't know that I could feel this good. I didn't realize I wasn't feeling good before. Mm-hmm. You know, like people don't realize that they're not actually feeling good until they feel better. Suddenly <laughs> <laughs> enough, you know? It's a catch-22, I tell you. Yep. Yeah. You got to feel better to feel good. Well, yeah. healthy or not. Old or not, everybody's beautiful when they laugh. So if you can do nothing else, just keep laughing. Exactly. <laughs> Laughter is so important. For sure. <laughs> That's what we're here for. A little raw laughter. Um, yeah. Do you, are, do you have any plans to be on the East Coast with your book tour, or is that not happening? Sorry, what about my book tour? Are you going to be on the East Coast at all? Yeah, I'm actually planning that right now. I'm trying to make... I got so caught up on my book tour right now that I delayed a little bit. But a couple months ago, I had started planning a book tour to D.C. and New York City around um, early to mid-September. Um, Mid-October or so, I'm going to be in the U.K. And I'm thinking by the end of the year, I'm going to be in Australia. But i got to get back on that because September's right around the corner. And um, i got to sort of connect back and finalize some dates and things. But, yeah, D.C. and, and New York. And then I, while I'm over there, I'd like to go up. Because my, my family's still up in uh, outside of Buffalo. Oh, really? I went to high school, so I'd like to go up there. And then if I go that far, I need to go to Toronto. And, you know, I haven't been to the East Coast in a while. So I definitely need to make it over there. I grew up in Syracuse. Oh, you did? Yeah. Cool. 
But we're we're you should you should uh, swing through Massachusetts on your way from uh, New York to Buffalo, and uh, okay, we can we can have an event with you. We put on a lot of events here. Okay, awesome. I will do. I haven't been to Massachusetts in, in like over a decade as well. Wow. So. Well, you got some fans here in Northampton. I I know of already, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot more I don't know of. Mm-hmm. So Thank I've you. Se- I've seen your cookbooks in a few of few of my friends' kitchens and. Oh, thank you so much. It's so <laughs> wonderful to hear. And uh, it's been an honor to have you on the show, so thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And have a great sh- evening. Thank you. You too. Take care. Okay, uh, you too. And listeners, if you want to visit Annie's website, oh, sorry, Annie's website. But Annie's website is? Annie DeFranco is from Buffalo, and Annie Fio is from Buffalo, and her website is Anifayo.com, which is A-N-I-P-H-Y-O. Good Lord. I think we might have ended the interview too early. We still have a couple minutes. <laughs> well, I have to say, um, we, didn't, we didn't do the news this time, and there probably wasn't time, but uh, I have to say, there was a lot of vegan stuff. Just check out these headlines. I, it's, it's just growing and growing. A vegan version of Atkins was one headline. Uh, here's another one. Uh, chicken torture draws the ire of animal rights groups. They're out there protesting chicken torture. During the uh, while we're also talking about human torture, uh, apparently Etsy is a vegan gold mine. It's growing. Uh, Twelve hundred, two hundred kids out of uh, one out of two hundred kids are vegetarian, according to a survey. That's a story from January. I don't know if you heard that one. <laughs> I think we already reported it. Did we? It's yes. true. It's still true. Okay. Well, we should get off the air now. All right. Because uh, we don't want to talk about the. Serial killer of cats in Florida. Yep, we had this. We'll ca- just get angry cat and start serial killer. swearing online. <sighs> I don't know. Some people are probably uh, going to be like, "Well, aren't you happy? Uh, you know, cats are, are carnivores." So this is Vegan Radio, Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP Northampton. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks with more love. Go vegan. Be healthy. This is John Darnielle from the Mountain Goats. You're listening to Vegan Radio on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, Northampton, 103.3 FM. The king of the jungle was asleep in his car When your chances fall in your lap like that You gotta recognize them for what they really are Nobody in this house wants to own up to the truth Crawl in shotgun and reach into his mouth. Grab hold of one long sharp tooth and hold on. 